Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PPC Show, brought to you by AdStage. I am Paul Wicker. And I'm J.D. Prater. And today is February 8th, 2019, and these are your top headlines in paid marketing. As, as usual, we're going to just make fun of Facebook um, <laughs> because, man, they're just getting pummeled. It was just announced that uh, regulators in Germany, well, the, the clickbaity headline is German regulators outlaw Facebook's whole ad business. Of course, when you read the article, <laughs> Facebook has not been outlawed, but uh, did you get a chance to read through this one? Yeah. I, I, yeah, this is the one. I'm glad you put this one as first because it, it was like the first one I clicked on too. I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, that is the, it is a very clickbaity uh, headline from Wired, but uh, I'll yeah, let you keep going. It's, um, so first off, it's, they, they've been um, sued, I guess, and they have an appeal process they're going to go through. So I expect a very long lawsuit. Essentially, what they're saying over in Germany is Facebook, you're a monopoly. And if somebody wants to be on the internet and use a social network, you're the only option. Therefore, when you make them check the box on the data privacy agreement and the terms and conditions when you sign up on Facebook, you're actually not giving them a real choice because they have no alternative. It's very similar to antitrust laws here in the US, where, you know, if you're like a dominant company, then sometimes like your practices can be, uh, considered monopolistic if you like force people like you know if, with Microsoft when they made you use Internet Explorer as a browser anyway so Germany's like yo you're a monopoly and you're making people uh, opt in to use your product and when they opt in you can do whatever you want with their data so moving forward you can't do that you can't use their data uh, without well they don't really give them a, a way to solve it so anyway that's the situation of course Facebook says we are not the dominant only competitor, we compete with Twitter, we compete with YouTube, we compete with Snapchat, they even mentioned, which is true. I mean, I bet the German regulators don't know that Instagram is a copycat of Snapchat. So in that sense, they very much compete because it's the same product. But Facebook, you know, they said, look, we're protecting people's privacy. We're fully GDPR compliant. Everybody opts in and has an opportunity to understand how we use their data. Leave us alone. And the yeah. German government disagrees. They do. They do. And I, I agree with your point. And Facebook has a point. Like if you're going to just, you can't just single them out. Like you really would have to do this to all social networks. You'd have to do this with Google in my opinion as well. Let me talk about data collection. But uh, I like that uh, they just wrote that Facebook was just exploiting customers by requiring them to degree, uh, to agree to this kind of data collection. It's like, how dare you exploit me to all of your exploiting of my data. Right. So, and it's, um, it's true anyways, because, you know, Germany's saying, look, people don't know what you're actually doing and, and they don't really have a choice otherwise, but they did a survey here in the U.S. and it turns out 74% of American Facebook users that have been uh, in this Pew study did not know that Facebook maintained profiles about their interests and 51% of those surveyed said they weren't comfortable with that practice. So most people don't even understand the concept of, you know, ad targeting and that Facebook is keeping all this data so people can target you. So not surprised by that, but uh, if, so I have a unique solution actually. So if Germany's saying, look, you're not giving people an option to use your product, the only way to use your product is to opt in, make a paid version. So if you don't wanna opt in to use, to let Facebook use your data, you can pay $500 a month or whatever. <laughs> I think you threw out the number last week. Whatever Facebook makes off of you, you can pay. and. Therefore, you have complete privacy and autonomy. So you as a consumer can choose. Do you want data collection practices and a free product or do you want to pay 500 a month? And I, I pretty much know the conversion rate on that product. 
<laughs> yeah. Facebook lawyers can pay me for that advice. Uh, I think it's a pretty good one. I, I, I hope that's what ends up happening. I, I think that would be a really funny ruling. Um, so yeah, what does it cost? How much are you willing to pay Paul in order for Facebook to not track all of your data? Right. Yeah. If me, nothing. I will pay nothing. nothing. I've already You'll pay nothing. <laughs> privacy on the internet. Are you kidding? You stop Facebook. There's like 40 other people that fill the space. I mean, there's entire companies like Axiom data logic. Yeah, yeah. That's all they do. If their billion dollar business has been around for years, all they do is can, can uh, dense information about individual users and sell that information to other companies. It's like as old as marketing. If you've ever got a direct mail, you know, coupon or flyer it's because somebody bought information about you on a list and mailed it to you it's like it is advertising so it'll be interesting to see what happens with this ruling if anything it at least lets those 74 percent of americans who are oblivious to data collection know that it's happening so they could maybe decide not to use facebook or pay the 500 dollars to use a data private version of facebook all right ad free ad free facebook for 500 bucks a month Speaking of, um, so Instagram, this is a story you know nothing about, which is hilarious because, you know, have you had your head in the sand? There's an internet meme happening. How are you not paying attention? Instagram had the most popular post in all its history, which was an egg. It was just a picture of an egg that showed up and somebody said, hey, can we make this the most liked thing on Instagram ever and beat? It was Kylie Jenner had something where she was the most liked post ever on Instagram. And this egg, it literally just a photo of an egg, got more than 50 million likes. You, you did not hear about this at all? Yeah, I heard about that. It's the uh, second part of okay. that with, with, uh, with Hulu. Yeah, I feel better about this now, though. I, for a second, I was like, <laughs> I don't know about the egg. No, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't read about the Hulu one because uh, Adweek blocked me. It said that uh, I have to become a subscriber. Right. Well, I'll fill you in and anyone else who doesn't know, you know, the, the internet mystery kept, kept building about who owns this egg, who started the egg, why are they doing the egg? And of course, it turns out an ad agency in the UK created the egg as a viral tactic. I assume they create these things all the time, not an egg per se, but other viral tactics to try to get things to go viral in social media. And then if they do, which is probably pretty rare, they try to monetize them and that's exactly what they did. So this agency then shopped around the egg and Hulu paid money to kind of own the rights to do the big reveal and they decided to do a commercial spot, but make it a public service announcement, a PSA for mental health awareness so that they, people don't yell at them about how you know evil they are to fool people into following the egg. And then after the Super Bowl, they they did the big reveal, of course, on Hulu.com. So they got a lot of traffic from the egg. Oh, the egg! I, <laughs> I, this it just goes to show you like how stupid social media is at times. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing that I think pissed people off is because following the egg was a way to be like, you know, social media is so stupid. It's an egg. Like you know. Yeah you can, anything can trend, anything can be popular. And then of course, for it to turn out to be an advertising stunt really made a lot of those people who thought they were kind of giving the middle finger to, you know, Instagram and, and all these celebrities and, you know, internet famous people turned out to be kind of being manipulated in this marketing stunt. So it had a little bit of a, you know, blowback, but that's why they went, I think that's why they went with the PSA announcement. Cause you can't get mad at Hulu for running a mental health awareness 
add. So that kind of <laughs> yeah. took the fury out of your, uh, your rant. Um, and then I have to, I just have to read one thing because when you listen to marketing people talk about this story, like they're so proud of themselves and it's just, it's so ridiculous that this is what we do for a living. But uh, this is one of the, the person who represented the guy who created the egg. Uh, I sat with Nick, who is our client, and said, I've been trying to shop around for a couple of clients interested in working with the egg, he told Adweek. Nick and Hulu were the ones who were brave enough to say, we can figure out how to make this work. So brave. So brave. So brave to take on the burden of, you know, doing a marketing stunt with the egg. Brave man. All right. In other Super Bowl news, turns out if you were looking to see Super Bowl ads, which I've yet to see like any, I need to go watch a few. Um, if you go over to Google and you search Super Bowl ads, they'll show you ads. If you go over to Bing and search Super Bowl ads, they won't show you paid ads, sponsored ads. And they got some shade for some reason from, uh, I think it was Search Engine Land about yeah, the fact that. Ginny. Yeah, but Bing uh, won't let you target. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was kind of nice because on Bing you could just go watch ads in like a video reel, like these Super Bowl ads rather than have like other ads come at you. But I guess the point was that was a dumb move for, you could have got a lot of impressions for a bunch of ads for people who are ready to watch commercials. I mean, Google's going to make money, right? Um, I think we can try to applaud being for this. Maybe, maybe it's a better user experience. I don't know. Um, but I wonder how much all those ads cost, you know, uh, for the Super Bowl, right? I think it was like just over five million for Super Bowl ad, and so now they're running search ads to run in conjunction with their actual online ads. So I don't fault it necessarily, but I mean, in this example, it was Super Bowl ads was the search query, and then Bing was just highlighting the videos. So, yeah, okay. And Google was actually showing you paid ads for those Super Bowl ads. Um, but I don't know. I can't give them too much shade for it. I, 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 it's Google. Like it's exactly what I would expect. Right. Well, and I could just picture the like very self-righteous product manager at Bing, like we choose not to put ads on these because it's <laughs> not the best consumer experience. It's like, uh, that is true though. So I, I would agree. It's not the best consumer experience, but it is the consumer experience I expect on Google. Right. Fair point. Um, Heading back over to Facebook, did you? This is another clickbait oh, title man. that this turned out to be wrong. Oh man, this one was this one was good though. Like, because I, I can't figure out if it's wrong or not. So, uh, read the headline really quick, and then okay. we'll, we'll dive into the details. So the headline is "Prepare to say goodbye to Facebook ad set budgets." And when you read this, it sounds like ad set budgets are going away, but they retracted that statement. And I actually just read the posts on uh, Facebook's blog or whatever. And they said, quote, with campaign budget optimization, you'll be able to set one central campaign budget for all of your ad sets and will automatically and continuously distribute that budget in real time to your top performing ad sets. So they make it clear you're going to have both campaigns and ad sets. Yes, I think that is correct. Uh, I think in the beginning they said no ad set budgets, and I think that's why Marketing Land jumped on them. They updated it, right? Uh, made their at least made their language more clear. But yeah, I think again, when you think SMB, you think trying to get the you know small shops in there and making it as easy as possible. Yeah, go for it. And I think also too, when you uh, with their campaign optimization, what they're trying to do is say, hey, give us a hundred dollars, create five ad sets, and we'll give the ad set 
that's performing the best, the most budget. So don't even, don't even worry about it. And it's just like another thing they're, you know, you can say taking away from advertisers, maybe, maybe they're actually helping them. So we shall see what that machine learning can do. Yeah. Right. The robots will do all your budget optimization for you. Um, and if you've used Google shared budgets, it's kind of the same concept. You know, you give a global budget and it spreads it across everything in that as, as best as it can. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. And then maybe they do move away from ad set at some point, but I imagine they'll, they'll keep it around. Um, there's another Facebook change more on the consumer side. And we talked about this before. It's just now it's actually rolling out. So if you remember as part of their, you know, endeavor to give more transparency to how you are being targeted, if you want to see why am I seeing these ads in Facebook uh, and you're being targeted because you are on a list, you can actually see as a consumer, you're being targeted because you are on a list of emails that was uploaded by, you know, Colgate. And you could also see if Colgate is using an agency or a tech partner and they somehow managed the list or updated the list for them. You'll also see, and then, you know, this list was updated by ad stage uh, partner, Facebook partner, and, you know, Paul Wicker agency. So it seems pretty straightforward, but I wonder about all those brands that don't want to tell you who their agency is and don't even want to admit that they're using agencies for stuff. Like this kind of makes it super easy to find out who everyone is using as an agency, doesn't it? That's, that was what I thought of it. I was like, wow, talk about like competitive research. I mean, you could literally go find out what agency was involved with this ad. And that gives you like pretty good leverage. If you, I mean, outside of like a blind pitch, now you can actually go after that business, in my opinion, with a little bit more leverage, or at least a little bit more information of who that, that agency is that's running it and talk trash on them. I don't know. But yeah, it seemed, seemed like a lot to me. Well, and what about, like, there's a lot of cases where agencies sub out work to agencies, right? So yeah, I'm a, I was worried about that one too. Yeah. Like if I'm doing a little paid search and you're like, Hey, can you handle video? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I just give it to this other agency. I mean, it, maybe you can handle it all with kind of managing permissions properly, but it does feel like this gives a lot of transparency around agencies, which maybe is good. Maybe that's good for everybody. So that's, I think starting in September, um, or maybe it's actually now, but either way, you'll now, if you're an agency, you'll be. February 27th. Okay, you got two weeks. Figure it out. <laughs> but this one ties in, like you were talking about, we were just talking about, like, maybe this is what Politico, so like a Politico, they lost their ability to track ads, right? Remember this one? And um, for the transparency issues, they threw a big, you know, a big fit. Maybe this is actually more transparency. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy <laughs> to think again. I, I think what you were talking about is probably the biggest concern. Like wanting to see the agency. What if the agency is like using like a whitelisted um, agency, but the agency is not in the U S like, what does that mean? Um, I don't know. Like I, I could see some, some outsourcing of the agency world getting, getting called out pretty quick. Right. And there's definitely no way the Facebook product managers working on privacy even know about this use case or even know yeah. about this like existing. So I'm sure it's going to be a little uh, interesting in the early days. Um, so I think the next few stories are all, it's, it's numbers time, it's earnings time. All the major networks for the most part have put out their Q4 earnings and there are some surprises in there, some not surprises and some surprises. Yeah. Uh, Let's start with uh, LinkedIn. 
go go for it. They have an uh, infographic, so it's easy to talk about. Yeah, I like I like infographics. I wish all earnings calls included infographics of <laughs> only the numbers I need to know. <laughs> no, uh, LinkedIn. They just put out a uh, well. One, they announced six hundred and ten million members. Ooh, that's a that's a pretty good uh, number set. I know. Um, Somewhat slow though, right? I mean, I, th I think last time they said 550, so announcing uh, what 60 new, 60 million new members. I mean, it's still like a 10% growth, it's still pretty good, but there's some uh, numbers on here we should uh, talk about. Like, one, 40% uh, of their 610 members are daily active users. Like, so that's 244 million people checking LinkedIn every single day. Um, that, that was. That was shocking to me. That seems like a lot. Yeah, I mean, do you check LinkedIn every day? Uh, like Monday through Friday, I'll yeah. check it. Maybe once, maybe twice. But uh, I don't have the app because I got like no value. So basically, what I'm going there for is to check my – my, I just check notifications because um, <laughs> this is the reason why too. So I, I get these weird DMs. Like some are good, some are bad. But in the email notif that they send you, they mm -hmm. don't tell you what it says anymore. It used to show you like – Paul Wicker sent you a DM. Hey, JD, what's up, man? Like, you want to do, you know, you can't see the message, so it makes you go log back in to read it, which That's, is clever. But, yeah, I mean, the good old-fashioned email marketing tactics. Uh, it's like, dang it. <laughs> so uh, that usually forces me, you know, in there, but I don't spend a lot of time on it anymore. Like, I find myself spending less time on it, meaning I'm not scrolling as much. I don't feel like the information is that, is that good? Like right. the, you know, the what? feed itself. Yeah, the feed itself. I'm just not seeing, I might scroll maybe top five and then I like move on. So I'm probably there less than like 30 seconds. Well, and you're spending most of your time in Quora, so you don't really count. Uh, so some <laughs> other numbers. Twitter. <laughs> right. Or on Twitter. So first yeah. off, I think a lot of companies right now would take a 60 million a monthly actor a user growth or whatever it is. Most everybody else is flat. Um, yeah. 40% visited each day, which yeah, that sounds somewhat believable. Um, and some interesting numbers they posted because, you know, really trying to point out that their, their demographic is like wealthy and, you know, advanced. So every Fortune 500 company is represented by people who are members on LinkedIn, which is not surprising. And uh, 61 million LinkedIn users are senior level influencers. And 45% are managers, VPs, directors, or C-level. So they're really trying to sell you on like that demographic, which makes sense and is that feels very much true. So LinkedIn doing, doing well, 610 million members, as you pointed out, twice the size of Twitter. Oh. Oh yeah, we gotta call this one out though. This is my favorite stat. Did you see this one? 45% of all social media traffic to a company's homepage comes from LinkedIn. Hmm. What? Not ours. <laughs> <laughs> what? I have never seen ever someone's traffic from LinkedIn be that high. No right, way. Like, are they not counting Google as oh social media traffic? All right. Like higher um, than Facebook. Yeah. Higher than Twitter. I mean, maybe I, I can see it being higher than Twitter, but like Facebook, really? Like all of these companies are doing yeah. Facebook. I mean, forty-five percent of all social media traffic. I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I could see it. Because, you know, we run ads on Twitter and, you know, sometimes people are like, we don't get any demos from Twitter. I was like, nobody's going to ever demo from Twitter. Like, they're going to maybe sign up for the podcast or the, the newsletter. But no one's going to be like, oh, I'm reading about Trump's latest 
craziness. And well, let me get a demo of a you know reporting and uh, analytics tool, or let me check out Automate. But so overall, though, LinkedIn under Microsoft's uh, umbrella is doing very well. I also found out that they tested stories as a format, which I'd never heard before. But somewhere in that article, they had mentioned they tested stories. Oh my! Stories Please. could be coming. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh. I know. It's like the old man when like LinkedIn has a feature like that Snapchat started. It's just like the old man like, well, how do these work? These stories. Uh, <laughs> I just find face like LinkedIn looks more and more like Facebook every time I go into it. And I don't think that's a good thing. I, I really, I really hope that they differentiate and that they make their own product. Um, kudos to Twitter, which we'll get into in just a second for kind of staying true. Like, how many people hate them for not having an edit button? And they're like, nope, not going to mm -hmm. get it. Same. Well, have you seen Jack, uh, CEO over Twitter, had started tweeting about editing? And I don't know if he was just being, he's like just he's, annoyed. He's trolling us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it definitely seemed like Twitter was thinking about editing because all of a sudden Jack kept talking about, oh, like an edit feature and then some other, like the original Twitter egg. Oh, Hmm, there's an egg theme, <laughs> but just realize, you know, if you're a new user on Twitter and you don't have a profile picture, you get like an egg, right? Yeah, I think they got rid of that now. It's like a, it's like a person now. I wish it was yeah. the egg, though. It used to be the egg, and the original Twitter profile uh, tweeted about editing or something, and everybody went crazy, like, oh, we're getting editor. Anyway, editing. So Twitter, uh, good news, well, good news and bad news. Yeah. The good news is they beat estimates, and their sales are up to 909 million. The bad news is their monthly active users continue to decline. So revenue up 24% year over year, which is good for them. Uh, most of that comes from advertising. So almost 800 of their 900 million comes from advertising. I have no idea where Twitter gets another $100 million. I mean, do they charge for anything other than advertising? Um, I don't know. I think they might do some data stuff, but, but sorry, that sounded really shady. Um, I think they they... Well, I'll just say no, advertising. Right, so well, apparently they make $110, 20000000 million off something else. Um, maybe it's services for some of their, like, uh, yeah. they bought, you know, Vine, and then they have a few, like, influencer services. So maybe that makes $100 million. That'd be amazing. Um, so they're doing well on the advertising side, and the monthly active users, though, down uh, 321, uh, which is $9 million down year over year, and $5 million compared to last quarter. So, but not surprising. That's what I can't, like, it's, it's shocking to me. So you almost did a billion dollars in revenue in Q4. Like, that puts you at number four, I think, in the, as far as the ad networks. That's Google, Facebook, Amazon, Twitter. And yet people are like, yeah, I'm down on your stock because you're not growing. And I'm like, if you're going to put up a billion, like, they, that's 24% growth in revenue. Like, that's what really matters. But uh, I think there, there were some other really interesting things in this one as well. So we were talking about LinkedIn's DAUs. Uh, Twitter is going to stop reporting on monthly active users, switching to daily active users. And now they're calling them monetizable daily active users. So you're going to see MDAU, and that's at 126 million people. So uh, only, I say only, 126 million people check Twitter every single day. And that, that are that are monetizable. Interesting. So I, I didn't read. I read that they're getting rid of MAUs, and I would. Mm -hmm. I mean, that kind of seems a little desperate, right? Like it's becoming an industry standard. You report on your MAUs, and they're like, eh, we're not going to do it anymore. We're going to use this, whatever. 
but uh, that's really interesting. So I don't know what makes a daily active user monetizable. That's this is what got uh, people excited over at Recode. Uh, Recode wrote an article about this one, and they where Kurt Wagner was talking about this one of like, what does that mean, monetizable? Like, how are you not monetizable? So. I guess some people in some locations, maybe to see no ads, I don't know, or maybe they're using TweetDeck. I think that was one thing that uh, they talked about was a lot of people use Twitter um, through a third party app, um, which I, I was like, oh yeah, that's actually a pretty good point. Like I know a lot of people that only use TweetDeck. Um, they don't actually log into Twitter to manage hmm. Twitter. Interesting. Um, you see no yeah, ads. I'm trying to do the math real quick. 900, uh, what's your word? Yeah, exactly. So if you made nine hundred million dollars, eight dollars a person on a hundred. Exactly. Like, yeah, if we were a bucket piece, it'd be one hundred twenty-six million. So times ten. So yeah, we're about nine dollars, uh, eight, eight, nine dollars a person. So, um, so that's Twitter numbers. There's also uh, Google numbers and Snapchat numbers. While while we're talking social, I, and I couldn't resist putting Snapchat in, although <laughs> I always want to make fun of them. And instead, they their stock at least did well. Their stock's up to $8.27. That's huge. I know, it's huge for them. They were down, I think, sub $5 for a while. Yeah. Um, of course, they IPO'd at like 14, so it's still not great news if you uh, bought uh, Snap early. But uh, the, the news for them is kind of, it's better than bad news for them. It's that their monthly active users, or sorry, monthly daily users, um, went from 100 and something to 186. So they were flat at 186 million. Yeah, it's the people expected them to go down to 184. So the fact that they didn't decrease by two, not even two million, 1.8 million. And with all the funny accounting, like did they really not decrease? Or are they like, you know, well, let's count anybody who had an active session on Snapchat in the last two years as a daily user. <laughs> but so they stayed flat and Wall Street was very happy with that. Yeah. I mean, again, over a billion dollars in revenue. Um, so that's still really strong. Um, I think, I think that puts, I, I think LinkedIn would be five. I think LinkedIn does like 2 billion from last I heard. So this puts, Snapchat in fifth place, um, from what I from what I gather, but right. So that yeah, they did three hundred and ninety million per quarter. Although keep in mind, Q four is is a big quarter for almost mm-hmm. everybody in social. But that's thirty six percent year over year growth. Uh, so they they grew in terms of revenue thirty six percent year over year, uh, and it also beat the Wall Street estimate of three hundred and seventy eight million. So keep in mind, the CFO just quit three weeks yes. ago. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This might be the reason because he might be like, we didn't make 390 million. We made 360, but we're not going to count write downs as, you know, accountants have funny ways of making numbers work. Um, But Snapchat for all the crap I give them this quarter, they at least sold quite a bit. And also there's a bunch of numbers about their cost structure, which has improved dramatically. So they used to, let's say they used to, I don't remember the numbers, but about half their, their money went to paying to keep the business alive and they dropped that to like 25 or 35%. So their margins have almost doubled, meaning the company can now live for at least like two years before they go to business. Hey, that's, good that's two them. more years of runway. Right. Which is, if you're talking about a startup, that's great. And then you think about their public company, it's a little bit weird. <laughs> Although yeah. Tesla, uh, anyway, that's all we should do for Snap. Let's talk about Google. Let's wrap it up with the big guys. I mean, we're, here we are talking about a few hundred million, yeah, you know, 390 million. Google's doing 39 
billion dollars a quarter just in ad revenue. That's not even like Google or Alphabet. It's thirty-nine billion a quarter in ad revenue. Mind blowing. This was the crazy one. I think uh, I saw Alphabet was. I think if you if you take Alphabet, it was like forty billion. I think Google is literally all of their money. <laughs> yeah, all of their revenue is Google. Yeah, I mean they don't. They sell like the Google, you know, like apps. You can get Google Sheets and Google Home, like Google Analytics three hundred and sixty, and yeah, Pixel. They, yeah, and that's true. So they have some stuff, but it's hard to make a billion dollars. And they figured out how to make thirty nine billion through the ads product. Um, that's and that's up 22% from last year. So, I mean, continue to grow at ridiculous rates for a company this old and this large is still growing 22%. Um, and they had a few product announcements they mentioned too to plug, you know, which they always do is plug their new stuff as if everything they do that, that's new is great. They plug smart campaigns. They said they now have 20,000 small businesses that have built smart campaigns. Jeez. They mentioned shopping. Uh, oh, did you have a smart campaigns comment? No, I just couldn't believe it was 20,000. That's low, right? Seems like a lot to me. 20,000, like SMBs, like, like for one, like we all make fun of smart campaigns. So I just thought it was. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I mean, I'm surprised anybody uses them, But then it's like, well, you're Google. So I expect anything Google does to be like 2 million smart yeah. campaigns. Yeah, I guess that's um, true. So they're, you know, trying to plug those. Also Google Shopping, you know, they really have to compete with Amazon because Amazon is just getting huge in shopping. Um, and they, they're they vague about their numbers. They just said the number of shopping DAUs on Google.com doubled over last year. So Google Shopping doing, I guess, better. Um, and then what was the one other number? Uh, oh, this one I thought was really interesting. So clicks on Google Sites. Mm which is like, you know, Google, YouTube, Gmail, uh, we're up 66% over um, fourth quarter uh, of 2017. So year over year, their clicks were up 66% and CPCs declined, falling 29%. So somehow they like got 66% more clicks. That is insane for a company, again, that's so huge. And they, they claim it's YouTube and yeah. you know, YouTube's generating a ton of traffic and driving down CPCs. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I think, I think YouTube and Display Network uh, are accounting for that one because that's, that's insane. That's a lot of, that's a lot of extra clicks um, to be getting, especially whenever like, YouTube is still so early when you think about performance marketing. I mean, it really is like brand marketing. So Ginny uh, had written an article kind of outlining what they were saying there, but yeah, there's still a lot to go there. Um, but I think it was on YouTube, or sorry, it was on Twitter, where Ginny, Aaron Levy, and uh, Kirk Williams were kind of talking about this stat. And it was, it was pretty interesting to kind of watch. We should, uh, we should include that link in there, um, Ginny kind of explaining it for everyone. But it basically came down to like mobile and display are becoming a larger percent of revenue with a lower average CPC. So therefore, a total drop in CPCs, if that yeah. makes sense. So. It, it does. And they did report in that 39 billion, they broke it down. 27 of the 39 came from Google owned sites. And then 5.6 came from quote unquote network revenues. And the network revenue grew 31% as opposed to the 22% growth from the Google owned sites. So they're definitely their network grew faster uh, and yeah. largely their network is display partners. So that, that does absolutely make sense. Yeah, it's still huge, though. That's massive. I mean, that's a monopoly, you know, like when you think about it. I just, 
it's just Google. <laughs> it's yeah, so I mean, well, let's see. What is that? Thirty called forty billion. That's one point six trillion. No. Yeah, forty billion. No, it's a hundred and twenty billion. Sixty billion. Sorry, sixty. Yeah. Times four. We're good at math here on the BBC <laughs> show. Forty billion times four. Right. It's one hundred and sixty billion dollars in one year in terms of uh, revenue. So they're they got to be like the GDP of the fifth largest company. Are they like their GDP probably beats like France oh, yeah. or Germany? You know, Google should acquire Germany and then they can make sure <laughs> Facebook gets kicked out of Germany. <laughs> can they do that? I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Just acquire a few small countries and use them as like server farms or something like that. It's outrageous how much money they make. Uh, so that's all the news we have. A lot of news and a lot of the earnings. If you have and, uh, a desire to get more news, you can head over to blog.adsage.io. Uh, sign up for the newsletter. We'll send you an email every week with all the headlines and a link to the podcast. And enjoy your week. See you guys.